Hi, today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 28, and it can be found on page 1156 of the Church Bibles. The Resurrection of Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By the gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. The resurrection of the dead. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion and authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, It is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, 
then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'd start you off a really long Bible reading, get you in the mood for some preaching on life after death. So I get all the good subjects, don't I? <laughs> That's what I'm realising. Tom gets the tough ones, but I get the really good ones. Um, now, here's a little trigger warning. It's very hard to get to life after death if you don't first talk a bit about death. Okay? So, I'm not going into any horrible detail about anything or anything, but, I mean, Christ was crucified. That's probably the most gory detail you'll ever get. But I am going to share a story. Okay? If it triggers you, don't worry. It triggers me. I did it at 9 o'clock and I cried. So, we're off to a good start already. <laughs> but please don't worry about me. I once prayed, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And death is the enemy of God. And so, please don't worry if I do cry. Now, in the summer of 2019, I received a phone call. Uh, not a phone call you really want. Um, that told me a young man that I'd worked with as a youth worker had died in quite tragic circumstances at the age of 18. It was hard to comprehend and even harder to accept, especially when someone's just told you on the phone. But the next day I went to their family home. I'd worked with two of the siblings as well, uh, and I went to go and support them. And as I walked in, the pain in that house was tangible. I saw his parents. The emptiness that they expressed, that death had stolen their son, too soon, too early, from all the things that he had to give the world. It was so tangible, so visceral, that I felt their pain in my body. Not all of it, I cannot begin to imagine how that feels. But I felt it in my very being. I could physically glimpse their pain as they expressed their grief. And I could not take it away, and I could not bring back their son. His mother collapsed in the pain. That is partly why I tell this story, because I have never seen grief like it. It was awful. Whenever, whenever death comes, it feels like robbery. It feels like the person that we loved has been stolen, taken from us. Snatched from our world, leaving in their wake grief and pain and confusion and anger. Death is the final enemy of God. And death in the modern West has become a bit of a taboo. We don't really talk about it. It's probably why I wasn't particularly looking forward to this sermon. It's clinical. We keep it at a distance. We close curtains on death. We are asked to leave rooms. When I was a child, I was kept from going to my own grandmother's funeral because it was too dark. And my family didn't want me to experience that. I was only young, but still. Death changes us when pain is too much to bear. Athanasius is an early Christian bishop, and he says that our fear of death places us under bondage all our lives. I wonder if you 
have fear, a fear of death. I wonder how death in your experience has changed you, the death of someone you love. This week I took um, a burial of ashes for a lady who Tom did the funeral for about a year ago. And for various reasons, it took a year to get to this point. Um, and there was only a few people present, her son, his wife, their three-year-old child, someone on FaceTime, and a friend. So it was a very small uh, affair. And as it uh, came to a close, I left the graveside and just went and sat on a bench to give them some time there. And in the distance, I could hear the young three-year-old boy giggling and playing at that graveside. Everything has changed, and yet life goes on. And this is the point. In the resurrection of Christ, everything has changed. And yet life goes on, and life in Christ is now eternal. So how do we live within this reality, and what does it mean for us now as we live our walks with Jesus? In our passage today, we hear the most incredible story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul moves into this part of his letter by declaring that the people hearing it are saved if they believe the gospel that he preached. And the gospel that he brings is good news. Now, the term gospel was actually a political word. It just meant news. And Paul says, I have the best news for you. The news I give to you is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not an opinion. It's not advice. It's news. A fact about something that just happened. We may struggle to believe that in 2023 um, in light of social media and fake news, but (laughs) they believed that what they were told as the gospel was this is news, this is fact, this is life-giving, this is good news. And we need good news right now, don't we? In our troubled, challenging world where grief is too great a burden to carry in so many areas of our life, Not just the grief of death, but the grief of changes in circumstance. The loss of anything can bring grief. And we long to see light breaking into all that darkness. And so did the people of Corinth. They longed to hear the good news, and now they had it. But we can't forget that this is the church that we've been hearing about, who very easily could be accused of forgetting the good news as they learned to walk with Jesus. If you look at how they had been living, it was far from people of good news. And this is why Paul is not spending time as he begins this part of his letter proving that the resurrection happened because he has already told them that as good news, as fact, as important in their story. But the purpose here is Paul is reminding them of the centrality of the resurrection Not that it happened, but that it is the most important part of the story. Stripped right back to its essence. The good news that Paul brings, that we declare in our faith now, Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, he was raised from the dead, and he appeared to his disciples. But Paul goes on to address an issue that's risen up in the Corinthian church. Some people have just said, no, that's not true. There was no resurrection. They've taken out a key part of the story. In fact, it's probably the key part because as Paul goes on to unpack, without the resurrection, what is our faith? 
Christ's death does not save us if he is not raised from the dead. God's final enemy death is not overcome if Christ is not raised from the dead. And so nothing changes. And life would carry on with only death as its end point. And the consequences, Paul said, are that the gospel, the good news, just becomes a myth. That not even Christ has been raised. That your faith is useless and so is our preaching. No comment on that one. Still in our sins. We are still in our sins. That our faith is futile. That those who have fallen asleep, which means in biblical terms, the dead are lost. That they are not raised if Christ is not raised. That there is no hope. That we are to be pitied if it's not true. But Christ has been raised. We live this side of the resurrection. We now have hope, freedom, and forever with God. In relationship with him. Everything has changed and life goes on. Yesterday, we started, probably a bit late, but started planting vegetables in our garden with our friends and their kids, which was difficult. (laughs) Um, They may or may not grow. (laughs) But this morning at breakfast, Lydia looked out the window and she looked at me despairing and she said, Oh, mummy, the sun's not shining. They won't have grown. And I thought, well, one, it's been night time. But (laughs) I said to her, just give them a bit of time. They'll grow. The first fruits that Paul speaks of is a sign of what is to come. The first buds of spring, a harvest on its way. Christ's resurrection is the first fruits, the sign of hope, a sign of what is coming. There is a lot more to come. Easter is not just about Jesus' resurrection, but about our resurrection. We move from hopelessness to hope, to the hope of knowing something good is on the way. A wonderful new future in the freedom of relationship with God through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are created in love, by love, and for love. We are created in the image of God. And so if we are image bearers of God, when we hear that Jesus is raised from the dead, we should know that in time we too will be raised from the dead. Our life now hidden in Christ. Everything has changed and life goes on. The resurrection means that we can experience the partnership, the relationship with Jesus that we have longed for, that fills that gap that grief creates. Paul calls death the last enemy. The reason it hurts so much, even this side of the resurrection, is because it is the enemy of God. But God is able to take that darkness, that depth of darkness, of death and turn it for good. That is not to say we will not feel its pain, its torment and its loneliness. When Jesus was resurrected and when he appeared to his disciples, we read that his scars were still visible from his crucifixion. His story etched into his body. There will be moments in our life that make us recognizable, even in the resurrection. And yet we will be transformed and made whole, fully into who we are called and made to be. Everything has changed, and life goes on. So what has it changed? I've said, death is the enemy of God, evil the enemy of God. Things do not just happen within the will of God. If that was so, we can conclude that all bad things, all things of evil happen because God allowed them 
to happen. Rape, abuse, war, devastating greed, cancer, depression, poverty, name them. That some of us are just born to be successful and some of us are just born to live without. Now hear me when I say God can and does use these things for good. We read that in scripture. He uses what is intended for harm and transforms it with the power of the resurrection for good. That is what the resurrection declares. It declares that the old order of things has gone and God's upside down kingdom is here. We live in the now and not yet. God's kingdom is here and we glimpse it in part and his kingdom is still to come. Attention of living in the resurrection and awaiting Jesus' return when all things will be brought to completion in him. We live in that tension. That's why we feel the pain and yet know the hope. The resurrection indicates a huge shift in many things, but today I believe that this is what God wants you to remember, wants you to think about, wants you to dwell on. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. You are now in partnership with the living God. You are God's work of art, bringing out the God colors in other people, in situations where darkness appears to have the final say, but doesn't. Because God, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, has the final say. Death is overcome. You may carry the pain of grief, but you have the beautiful ability to bring hope because you are in partnership with the living God by the power of his spirit. Everything has changed, and yet life goes on. As Paul said to the Corinthians, everything is futile in our faith if the resurrection doesn't happen. We need not fear death nor the pain that it brings because in the kingdom of God, it does not win. It does not have the final say. And we need to live in this reality, or we risk, like the Corinthians, leaving out the very part of the story that can transform everything. You see, everything has changed and life goes on, except it doesn't just go on in the way that we normally use that phrase, plods along, monotonous, day in, day out. Oh well, life goes on. A reaction against the deep pain of grief, never to know hope again, that is not who we are. We are resurrection people meaning that we can live every single day of our lives knowing that here, now, as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, as we've just prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, everything changes. You have a hope that cannot be snuffed out, even by death. For everything changes when Jesus is raised from the dead. You are changed. We are changed. Everything changes and life goes on. Amen. As the band come up for our final hymn, let's just um, take a moment to absorb those words.